0: Good morning. So glad to see everybody here. Welcome back weekend. We are in um, what I would call a standalone, and so that means I'm not really in a series for the next couple of weeks. So I'm just trying to hit some topics um, that I have personally uh, felt might, might be good or important for our church. And uh, these start months ago, just me writing down thoughts and ideas and things like that. And so I do love these times where we can just have isolated conversation about the Word of God. And so today I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that everybody knows. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you know this story, you know it well. But I'm going to try to take a different a different angle at it today, and I want you to go to Luke chapter 15. And the story I'm going to share today is normally taught as a message of salvation. This is normally a story of second chances. It's normally uh, where we kind of throw out, out a net and we try to tell the story of, of Christ and the love of the Father and all of these things. It is a great revelatory story of the Father's love for us, His never-ending patience, um, His desire to come after us, uh, but yet in great wisdom He does not um, go against the will of man. He wants to be chosen. and So this story encapsulates all of those things. And today I'm going to focus on a character, though, in this story, that we normally criticize, and it's, it's a character that um, is only mentioned um, in this point of Scripture. We don't even know his name, and he's only mentioned or referenced even in these seven verses that I'm going to read. This character is often portrayed as the bad apple, but today he is going to represent every single one of us, including myself. And so we're going to talk about the other son, the other son. So I want to pray over this really quick, and then I'm going to get into Luke chapter 15. God, we love you. We thank you for the great day. We thank you for the sun. Um, We thank you for just the opportunity for us to come together in corporate worship and just hear from you today. And so we pray that that happens, that you would speak to us, that you would open our hearts, that we would hear clearly, that we would see ourselves in your word, that we can go and be changed uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So be be with us today. We love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go to Luke 15. I'm going to read seven verses, 25 through 31. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music, dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Verse 27, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the elder brother became angry, refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours, right? The the other son. Again, normally when we talk about this, you know, we frame this out or title it as the prodigal son. And we spend all of our time focusing on that joyful re- return of, of one who had just for a moment or a season of time lost his mind. But we look at, the, that, at, at this oldest boy, and oftentimes we will look at him and say, man, that's terrible for you to even think this way. It's terrible for you to respond this way when we've just leaned in solely to the prodigal son. But there are two boys with two very distinct, uh, stories with two very distinct hearts. And so today we are going to talk about the older son. And I want to start this by simply looking at these verses in their obvious form. And so I want us to just start today by just having a conversation about what what we, we see lying here on the, the surface, the, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. In verse 25, this starts, and you know the, this has been prefaced before we, we read our text. The story before, he's he's asked for his inheritance, he's gone off, He squandered it, He he's sitting there eating what the pigs uh, left over, and he, the Bible says he comes to himself, and he says, you know, if I just go home and be a servant for my father, it's even better than this. And so he comes home, and while he's afar off, the father sees him, and he throws a party, and he kills the fattened calf, go get the robe, go get the ring and he does all put sandals on his feet and they're throwing this party and the older brother hears it. So verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And I want to focus on this for just a minute. This is why I I think that that, that the older son is really um, representative of you and I in every form. Most of you who sit here today are the older son. Including myself. The older son was in the field, and this prepositional phrase in the field really shows us some great things about him because this is exactly where he needed to be in the field. He needed to be in this place where he was showing responsibility and work ethic and discipline. This symbolized this phrase in the field symbolizes loyalty, it symbolizes consistency, it symbolizes accountability, and this is where he was. I think if you could see the time before, and and if this story did not jump out to us, and you let the day roll on, this same pattern would be found that every day you could find the older brother in the field. And this applies to us because as believers, that's exactly where we are, in the field. We're trying to display loyalty to our relationship with Christ. We are displaying relationship and consistency and predictability and one foot in front of the other. And I believe in Christ today and I will tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that it is being in the field it's going and doing and knowing and growing and getting better and and so that one day we can reach this place where we have a strong relationship and working knowledge with the father in the field this is very important and so in verse 25 continued it says when he came near the house he heard music and dancing. And here's one way that we, we, we don't spend a lot, a lot of time on, on this when we're framing this out for the prodigal. But I want to pause for this. Why is he coming in from the field to hear music and people dancing? I mean, you know, you go, they left him out. They, they forgot this guy. You know, it's it almost reminds me of of, of of Jesse. You know, the prophet's coming to anoint some boys. You know, he's like, that's not him, Jesse. Okay, okay, what about the next one? That's not him either. What about him? That's not him. And he gets to the end. He's like, well, this is all the boys I got. Sure, because I'm not feeling any of these are one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's all of them. You don't have any more boys. I mean, one. David. Oh, gosh. We forgot about him. It's kind of the same way. It's like in my mind, I automatically start to think why is he hearing music and dancing and he's not there? He heard a party that he had not received an invitation to. Had he been working so hard? That they just started without him? Was he not invited? Was it purposeful or unintentional? Was the party too spontaneous to gather everybody? Did anyone try to go and get him? We don't know. These are all mysteries of this text. We don't know all of the underlying thing, but we know this. It set him off. He didn't like it. And so, in verse 28, it says, And the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. Now, a lot of times when you read about anger, it's it's identified as a secondary emotion. Meaning that I'm angry because I've already felt a primary emotion. Like, I'm angry because you hurt me. I'm angry because of, of, of another circumstance that had some zing to it. I'm angry because you lied to me. I'm angry because I feel not valued. I'm angry because I feel overlooked. And I'm angry, and I'm not going in. I'm not going to participate. But again, there's, there's some missing piece here. There's a lot of mystery. So we're going to have to guess just a little bit here about what's going on. I would imagine that when one of the boys goes to the father, asks for half of inheritance, walks out on everybody to go and live his own life, that there was a lot of hurt, that there was a missing piece. And so my mind goes to things like, is he angry because his brother left in the first place? Maybe at one point they were were best friends. Maybe they had run through the fields at this farm their whole lives, and now he's solo. Maybe just the fact that he saw this place as no longer being something that brought him joy and he wanted to leave it brought some angst between the, the two of them. Was he angry because his leaving created more work for him personally? You're leaving. Where does this work fall on? I'm, I, I now have more responsibilities I've got more people to look after. I've got more projects to oversee. Your leaving creates work for me. Maybe there was some tension. Was he angry because he had to watch his father be depressed? To watch his father go out to the porch every day and look and and wonder, wring his hands, wondering about where his boy was. Was he angry because he took half the resources? Was he angry because they thought he was dead? There's all kinds of things that that could be happening emotionally for him. But we know this. Scripture clearly tells us that he's not very happy about it. I want to park here for just just a minute. This is why we are the, the other son. Because when you're in the field and you look around at life, and maybe you, you've been the one who has been praying and giving or serving or believing or waiting or in a season of growth that's very uncomfortable for you. Maybe you're having to live by faith right now in a way that you haven't had to live in a long time and you look around at life and people and circumstances, whether it's a sibling or whether it's a friend that's like, like a brother, whether it's a coworker, whatever it is that you're observing, and you look at their life and you hear music and dancing, and you wonder, why are they living the way they're living and receiving answers? Well, I'm over here striving. Well, I'm in the field. Why are, why why does it seem that their life has bounty? Well, I'm in a season of drought. Why does it look like their marriage is thriving? And mine's hanging by a thread. Because I am in the field. I am I'm doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do. I'm I'm trying to read the Word. I'm trying to be led by the Spirit. I'm doing all the things that I feel like are practical to my walk with Christ. But my eyes are playing tricks on me. Because I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm hearing music, and I'm seeing dancing, and I'm jealous of it and I'm envious of it, and I'm coveting it, and it sometimes makes me nauseous, and so I may put a smile on, but sometimes I truly be, be, believe this, that we will look at other people's lives and go, I refuse to celebrate that. Why? Because we're angry. Somehow spiritually, we're seething at, at, at the doing well of other people. Even people that we would high-five and hug and tell them that we love them have a question mark above it so we look across it at lives and places and man. you scroll through Facebook for 10 minutes and at the end you're just blood pressures up I should be going on that trip and I should look that tan you're in the field and they got music and dancing is anybody with me today okay Four of you. The rest of you are pretending. So there's there's this missing piece. I'm not going in. And watch what happens in verse 29. Okay? father goes out. Somebody has gone to the big guy and said, Hey, you, you got a boy who's upset. And you might want to go out here and, and try to try to talk some sense into him because right now he's not coming in. And the father goes out and in verse 29, he 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 gives him a a few things. He starts with all these years, okay? Now, there are many layers to this hurt, and, and I want you to be honest with yourself and with God this morning. If this is you, I just want you to be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit, okay? And so, in this verse 29, you start to see things really come to a head and tilt. And this is where the root of his anger lies. We're we're about to to see all of it. He says, all these years, all of these years, the underlying statement here is, I've given you time. I've given you my youth. I've, I've, I've given you these things that I cannot take back. It's not like I gave you $100 and you can give it back. I've given you time. All these years, I've been faithful. All these years, I've been praying. All these years, I've been coming to church. All these years, all of this time, all of my youth. You feel his, his, his tension? And then he, he, he drops this, this, second, this second layer. I've been serving. All these years, I've been doing the things that nobody else wants to do. All these years, I've been trying to help people. All these years I've, 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 I've been trying to give. All of these years, man, if, if we, we've had anything left over, we've shared. We've gone to our church. We've, we've put money in the plate. We've done, we've done all these things. We've sacrificed Saturdays, and we sacrificed some Sundays, and we've done, we've done all these things where we serve. We've gone on missions trips. We've sent kids there. We've, we've sponsored people. We've, we've done all of these things. All of these years, I've been serving. And then he turns it on himself even further, and he says, and I've never disobeyed. I've always done what, what you ask. I've always done the, the things that you've put in front of me. When, when I felt the voice of the Holy Spirit, I did my best to respond to it. When you asked me to change, I did it. When you asked me to grow, I did it. When you asked me to go the extra mile, I did it. When you asked me to feed someone, I fed them. When you asked me to clothe them, I clothed them. When you asked me to bring shelter, I sheltered. When you asked me to forgive, I forgave. I even prayed over my enemies. I never disobeyed. All these years, I've been serving. I've never dis- disobeyed and here's the fourth la- layer to this. You never gave me. See how sensitive this is for him? It, see the, the, these are things that you and I would never say in a life group. Come on somebody. It's 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 not like you're going over tonight, you know, to have coffee with somebody. I got to talk to y'all about how I really feel. All these years I've been a believer, I've been serving, I've never disobeyed, the Lord never gave me anything. I'm just needing some feedback from people who really love me. That's not how that's going to go down tonight. We're going to ask for more cake and we're going to smile. We're going to take out a highlighter and highlight something great in there, you know. Oh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. How great is that? We're gonna go home, sleep good, but inside, uh-uh, you hear music and dancing. That's right. I'm in somebody's driveway right now. I just want to park, just want to, just want to park there just a second, and create an awkward moment. All these years, I've been serving, I've never disobeyed, and you never gave me And he, he, he goes on. he said, "You gave him the fatted calf and you never gave me a goat." You gave him all of it. He never even gave me a portion. He never gave me anything. And I I want to, this is a spiritual tune-up for every person in this room, including myself, to look at our lives and make sure that we don't feel this way. That we're not going through our journey with Christ as the other son who is angry and is in the field and is trying to do their best, but the moment God does something for somebody else, we can't take it. That we we can't we can't stand it. It's almost like God, I want you to bless them, but don't bless them more than me. You know? God, what I really want is for me to have a Mercedes blessing and for them to have a Toyota blessing. And if you drive a Toyota, that's wonderful. Okay, I don't want any nasty emails this week. Wait a minute, buddy. I drive a Toyota. God bless them. Just don't bless them so good they, you know, pass me. I want their business to do well, just not better, you know, you know, not better than mine. I mean, I'm, after I'm doing the praying here, I should stay one step ahead. You never gave me. And I think this, this statement, you never gave me, comes with some tentacles. It, it comes with, I feel slighted. I feel undervalued. I feel overlooked. And he feels in this moment that his father, watch this, this is strong, that his father is celebrating someone who is being redeemed rather than someone who remained rooted like, like redemption is great, but what about those of us who are like a tree planted by the water? Like faithful, unwavering, haven't moved. And he starts this conversation back to him. The father li- li- listens and he says this, and I want you to hear the voice of God in this, okay? He starts this conversation back. Here's his response. And in verse 31, he says, My son. Mm. Isn't that good? My, my son. It doesn't start with, well, let me tell you something. Okay? It doesn't start with him pulling his belt off and you hear the pop as it comes. You know, it doesn't. That was always the sign for us to run. Okay? When you heard the pop, 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 you had about two steps. He starts with him, my son, and he affirms him. He soothes him. He calms him my son. He doesn't start with all the things that he could have started with. You ungrateful? No, my son. But you spoiled Brett. No. my son. He wants to affirm him and tell him, your outlook is all wrong. This was affirming to me. And then his second line to him is so good in verse 31. You are always with me, he says. And let me do just a, a little bit of teaching here. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses and God are having a talk and he's basically telling him, "Hey, now is the, the time. You got to move. You got to take these people. I've I've taught you. You're on fire right right now. You have learned the plan. You got it together. Move these guys, go take it all." And Moses comes back and he says, "Wait a second. If you don't go with me, I don't want to go anywhere." Okay? And the father responds to him in Exodus 33 and 19. You, you can read that later. I'm not going to show it to you. But Exodus 33 and 19, he tells him a couple of things. He says, listen, goodness is going to go before you, and the name of the Lord, capital L, is going to go before you. Okay. Now, what, what he's saying is this is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, before you is going to be the name of Christ, so listen, Jesus, and goodness. So I want you to imagine I'm Moses standing here, and in front of me is Jesus and goodness. So that whenever I take a step, I've already been where Jesus and goodness has already been. But then if you look at David, in Psalm 23, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So behind me is goodness and mercy. So for whatever I've done in my past, whatever thing that got out of control, whatever is back there in my rearview mirror that brings me guilt and shame is trampled by goodness and mercy. So when I take a step, I'm stepping where Jesus and goodness has been, and where I was is followed by goodness and mercy. That's some good old Pentecostal preaching for y'all right there. If you, for you Baptists who don't recognize that, okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You are always with me. Right, That's what he says. You're always with me. I got you surrounded. Jesus, goodness, goodness, mercy. Jesus, goodness, goodness, mercy. Your whole life, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. Jesus, goodness, goodness, mercy. I'm gonna be. be with, you're always with me. Okay. Everything he says. Stay with me. I got just just a few minutes to go a long ways. He says. Everything I have is yours. I want you to to think about this for just a second. He was upset about the fatty calf and the robe and the ring and the shoes and the celebration, the music, the dancing. And the father's about to frame this in such a way that's going to take his breath away. Because he says to him, everything, not some of it, not a portion, everything you see belongs to you. Everything that you have put your hand on, everything about your entire life has been about because I own it. It is yours. So you may feel like you're in the field alone. You may come close and hear some celebration, but when you come close from coming in from the field, come into it knowing that it was always yours to begin with. That the ring I put on your brother's finger was always yours. The robe was always yours. The sandals were always yours. The food you ate this morning was yours because I gave it to you. The bed you slept in last night and the warmth it provided was yours because I gave it to you. Everything you have is yours. Think about your Sunday morning. The house that you left this morning is yours because he provided it. The car you got into and started and drove to church is because he provided it. The clothes you picked out is because he provided it. The wild, sweet Williams. Oh, Lord, I need some help right here, somebody. Uh, The wild, sweet Williams is because he provided it. Everything in our lives is under his provision. You had shoes to wear. They may have been used, but they were on your feet. You've had food to eat. It may have been thin from time to time, but he provided it. Our worship pastor was so hungry in college One time he had two ketchup packets, and he popped them things open, squeezed them in his mouth, and went to bed. Thank God for ketchup packets. When you go through Chick-fil-A tomorrow, ask for extra. You never know. See, your story and my story may seem boring to us, may seem boring to each other when you look at each other and go, you know I've been in church my whole life I made a you know a commitment to follow Christ when I was like 11 and you start telling that story and you go it doesn't have any pomp you know it doesn't have any any bells or whistles to it but listen your story may not include pig pens and prostitution may not include squander and drug dens. It doesn't have to include prison and, well, and wheelbarrows of guilt. Your story may not include a lot of shame, but it does include a lot of sustain that He kept you. You were there with him. I love David when he, when he pins out these thoughts from some bad seasons. But Psalm 3 and 5, he says, I lay down and I slept and I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. One version says, I woke up because he kept me. Psalm 37 25 says, I was young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. See, steadiness may not constitute a party, but it does constitute honor, and honor is the currency of the kingdom. Stay in the field. Okay? I'm, I'm out of time, but I got three points I got to hit really quick. That was my intro. If you're taking notes and you're OCD, I know I got to fill these in or you're going to come find me right after church. Point one, change everything about your perspective. When you see others being blessed, remind yourself this is the same God who loves you. The kingdom is not about a few having the monopoly. John reminds us in chapter three, for God so loved who? The world, everybody in it. Okay, so when you hear music coming from a direction that you are not involved in, stay full of joy. When your brother comes home, pull up a chair and sing a song with everybody else. The second thing, change some things about your attitude. So be thankful for the field that you are standing in this morning. Be thankful. Tell yourself, God, I thank you for this job. I thank you for this house, this car, my kids, my marriage, the field I'm in. I'm going to thank thank you for it. And third, change nothing about your faithfulness. Continue to stay the course. Hebrews 10, I love the way he puts this. It's Paul writing. And in verse 23, he says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Isn't that good? Hold unswervingly. First Peter 4.19, I'm going to close with this verse. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves and continue to do good. We are the older brother. We are the older brother. Don't be robbed thinking you're being slighted and undervalued. Everything he has is yours. All of it. All of it. That's enough to celebrate today. I want you to bow your heads with me really quick. I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to have communion.